You're listening to Confessions of a Grieving Mother by Emma's Footprints. Each week, we will be bringing you stories to give you a real look on what families go through after they experience a pregnancy or infant loss. Our goal is to help educate, support, and break the stigma around this topic. Be prepared for tears and laughter as we remember our babies. This is going to be real, raw, and vulnerable, so get your boots on. It's going to be messy. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Confessions of a Grieving Mother. I'm Tracy, Emma's mom. And I'm Julie, Gus's mom. And today on the line with us, we have Stacy. Hey, Stace. Hi. Hi, guys. Thanks for calling in. Sure, sure. I'm like, Stacy, doesn't everybody know Stacy? Stacy, the <laughs> Stacy. The Stacy, <laughs> I think everyone, well, they will after this podcast. That's right. So, um, what's cool about Stacy? Many things, but I. Tell us one. <laughs> so, when we got together, uh, when I met you for coffee, um, which mm-hmm. I miss, totally miss I because know. of COVID. We I can't know. like, I, I mean, before we would kind of get a mom and, and we'd be like, you want to meet for coffee and talk? And how many times we've done that. Um, but meeting s- coffee, nope, meeting Stacy for coffee mm-hmm. and discovering we knew so many of the same people. Oh, wow. But we had never met before. Oh, right. right. I don't think I actually <laughs> yeah. know the story between how you guys hooked up, which we can you know, well, yeah, Stacey, all the why, don't you, together. why don't you start us off? How, how did you come to know about Emma's Footprints? Um, so I attended Grace Church um, back a couple of years ago, and I knew Megan, um, who had initially received services from Emma's and then started volunteering with Emma's, and she became a good friend of mine at church, and um we would talk and she would tell me about the organization. So that's how I started to know a little bit about Emma's. Um, And then, so at that point I knew exactly who to reach out to uh, when I needed help. So that's how I found out about you guys. And you knew, you know, my sister-in-law, Ashley. Yes. We were in a small group together for a little over a year. And you knew um, Rob, so I call him my oldest child, yeah. Rob. I'm like, you wait, my, my Rob? <laughs> like, wait, yeah, yeah. So it was, in, it was, you know, kind of surreal to sit there and mm-hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, we've, we know a bunch of the same people that are close to me. And then there we are um, talking about, about your, about why experience. you were there. Yeah. yeah. So um, right. you and John, your husband, who's amazing. He has an amazing beard. <laughs> got married. What did that conversation look like about starting your family? Um, all right. So we, before we got married, we had decided to wait a, a year before we wanted to try to have babies. Um, and so that year was, had come and gone before you could even blink. The time goes by so fast. So in January of well, no, it was about December of 2018, we decided that we were officially ready to start trying. Um, yeah, and I, I guess we both just, we talked about it so much over the course of that year that at our one-year anniversary, you know, we, we looked at each other and we said, okay, is this, is this it? <laughs> you know, is, this, is it time? <laughs> Um, it was super so planned we, out. 
it it was um but still grace needed on both parties mm-hmm. um because we still i think we still had some adjusting in our mindsets and our hearts to to do before we were actually ready i mean and who really is ready <laughs> let's be honest right yeah <laughs> true story uh so yeah and then so in um january of 2019 we kind of yeah that was like the first month where we were kind of like okay well we're not gonna not try but we're not gonna try you know kind of one of those situations and at that point we were blessed with our first child and we found so it didn't take you very long to get pregnant no not at all no first month wow yeah, which is like almost a rarity, right? Yeah. 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 Did you know um were you were you kind of doing charting or anything? Like what what, um, what weekage did you find out or recognize? So I've always different? been very familiar with my cycle. Um I'm very aware of those of, of my body and the different stages that it's in. So I knew it I, I was counting the days. I know how many days it takes and I, so I looked at the calendar and I was like 32 days <laughs> hmm interesting yeah I'm just gonna and I felt it like I felt different to me I felt different and yes I was hyper aware and wanted it too but really I felt different and my cycle could be all over the place kind of like 28 days to 33 days is usually normal for me so yeah, I was like, I just felt it. And sure enough, that was February 3rd of 2019. I'm always surprised when people can rattle off a date. I know. Like it's that. Like impressive. I'm jealous of that. I cannot do that <laughs> at all. Yeah. I so, mean, that was the best day, like literally uh, the best day of my life. Did you know, you, you have, have to, all the emotions. Yeah. Did you run to the store and get a pregnancy test? Did you have some in preparation? Oh, I had um, one at home. Okay. I had like three at home. And I took all three of those and they were all positive. So and then I, I went and got more. Yeah. <laughs> so I went and got more. Yeah. <laughs> well, those were Dollar Tree ones. You, know? you like, just you can't. Know. Yeah. They're just not. We don't know if they're accurate or not. <laughs> yeah. So then you got to go buy the expensive ones that really are <laughs> exactly confirm, the same. Confirm, confirm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I took five tests and all five of them were positive. Wow. wow. At, did you tell John before you took them in the middle of the five tests? What point um, did so you here, I'm very independent and I kind of do like to do a lot of things on my own. So I did it all without him (laughs) and he was actually at work. You sort of sound like me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was at work and he was actually working a 16 hour shift that day. So I wasn't going to see him until about seven o'clock the next morning. So I was freaking out, freaking out. I couldn't tell him. I camped out on the couch. So I woke up as soon as he walked in the door and I was able to tell him. You, you just bombarded him after a 16 hour shift. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. I got, um, I, I thought it would be funny. I don't know if you guys are familiar with butt paste. It's yes. a, a brand of diaper rash cream. Well, it has a little baby on it and holding a dumbbell. And anybody who knows my husband knows that he's a very avid into fitness. He loves to work out. So I was like, oh, that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that. I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to put the test inside. And he kind of, you know, he opened it and he did, I don't think he got it. And I was like, just open it off. <laughs> You're like, don't ruin it right now. 
<laughs> I mean, in all fairness, he was running on like, you mm-hmm. know, empty. <laughs> yeah. Was he, okay, so then was he when he got the when he got the butt paste um, <laughs> announcement? <laughs> it's not a joke; it's an announcement. Was he super excited? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was. John is very. He's a very calm person. Mm-hmm. You know, to be around him is to be calm, and so you know, he he got a little emotional and he gave me a hug. And we just talked a little bit and mentioned how terrifying it was. Mm-hmm. I remember talking about how excited we were, but, oh, my gosh, I'm going to throw up mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it was just a very calm conversation. And then he went to bed. <laughs> yeah, he, he was worn out. Yeah, working, for sure. ex- ex- spike, spike of excitement and passing uh-huh. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then you call the doctor and make an appointment. Yep. Um, we made an appointment. Um and that next week, I started to spot a little bit. So I called and I said, I don't think we should wait the eight or nine weeks that they had originally wanted to wait. And so they asked me to come in and um, we went into the doctors and did the whole blood work, the whole initial thing. And they got a sonogram and we saw the baby. Um, at that point, I was six weeks long okay and um so they everything appeared to be fine they wanted to do a checkup in two weeks just to make sure that everything was escalating how it should um so that two weeks was a battle Mm -hmm. in my mind of well, that's odd that they want to see me in two weeks. Maybe it's just because I have a pre-existing condition. Maybe, maybe they just want to check my levels and make sure everything's okay. You know, like all these questions. Mm-hmm. I was superior, na- superiorly naive to loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had known people who have had a loss. Um, long, like, um, my mom actually had one before me. I was aware, but I didn't know the impact of it. Like, uh, all I ever knew was you have a brother or sister in heaven. And that was the end of the discussion. Mm-hmm. Like there was no exposure. Hmm. Um, and then a friend of mine had a full-term loss. So I didn't quite know or understand the realities. <laughs> um, so we go into that second appointment and I'm like excited. I'm ready for them to just say everything's okay. Um, they do the blood work, they do the whole thing. And then we go in for the ultrasound and the technician is eerily quiet. Mm. And she turned the monitor so I couldn't see. Um, and she kept doing, you know, the, the sounds, the clicking of the buttons and the Mm -hmm. moving of the wand and, you know, all of the things. And they're just taking picture after picture after picture of what seemed to feel like an eternity. Mm. And just so nonchalantly, she said, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat. Hmm. Just like, just like that. And that moment is forever grained in my memory of how just cavalier 
I think some people can be about this situation. Mm-hmm. And so unaware mm-hmm. because I mean, you know, there's, we've talked about with you guys before, there is a lack of compassion training and a lack of grief training in this field. And, um, you know, you guys are doing leaps and bounds in that. And that's something I'm extremely grateful for because I had a horrific experience. Um, was John you with know. you in that, in the room? Yeah. Yeah. So he was with me and, you know, I kind of looked at him and I said, this isn't real. That's not, that's not real. Right. That's not the news you're supposed to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember she said, I'm sorry. And she, you know, she shut the machine off and I was just, I just cried. <laughs> I didn't know what to do or what to mm-hmm. say. And I remember she let me have like a minute and then she said, okay, I, I'm going to ask you that you, you know, get dressed again. And we have other patients that I need to get in here. <laughs> oh, And so I remember standing there and this isn't like this room, there was a curtain separating where I get dressed and where the sonogram machine was. And I remember standing there, like I physically couldn't even move my body. Mm-hmm. And so John had to come in and help me get dressed and what a, and that is another moment that is forever ingrained, like what humility that takes and, and the partnership in a marriage when something like that happens, like that was just, he was so strong in that moment when I couldn't be at all. Um, yeah. so we walk out of the other room. And I remember walking down this hallway and I don't know if you guys know what tunnel vision's like, but it felt like yeah. all I could literally see was the floor in front of me, mm-hmm. you know, and they walk you into a room and the doctor comes in and they talk to you and you know, all of that. So yeah, that was getting the news. Did you feel like it was an out of body experience? Like, were you able to process anything they were telling you? Um, I, I, to a degree, my logical brain was really fighting to process it all, um, and still keep my wits about me because at that point the midwife came in and she sincerely stressed about, um, me being RH negative. So I had to get the Rogam shot. Um, and at that point, I was very, very unaware about that. I am a person who does my research before I put anything in my body. I was like, I I was, you know, I didn't know what to do. So here we are after getting the worst news of our lives. My husband and I are both on our phones in the waiting room, Googling Rogan, Hmm. what it is, why I have to get it and praying and just saying, God, what do you want us to do? Because you know, who makes a decision like that Right, right. in that moment. Yeah. It's coming at you so fast. These, yeah. you woke up that morning, so, you know, yeah. With anticipation and, I, and excitement. And now you're Googling. Yeah. Rogram. Rogam. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, yeah. And then, so I, and it did end up getting it because of the, of the complications of her future pregnancy. So, um, yeah. So that after, after I got the shot, we left and, I went home. Um, they gave me the option to 
wait to see if I had the baby naturally at home or uh, to schedule a DNC. And I said, I would like to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, so they scheduled it five days out. Um, I came home and that five days was literally the longest five days I think I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Did they send you uh, home with anything from the doctor's office? What do you mean? Anything. Uh, anything of what to expect? Any, like, um, here's where to go no. from here? They just said, if you don't, if you don't experience, I, I think they might have, they might have said a little bit of what to expect if I did have the baby at home, but they didn't, I don't remember mm-hmm. that. All I remember is sitting in the scheduling office and saying, you'll get a call by 4 p.m. the day before your surgery to tell you when to show up at the hospital. Mm-hmm. They didn't send me home with any materials, mm-hmm. any, anything. Just a paper saying where to go and who was doing the surgery. Yeah. So you just go home and wait. Yeah. Pretty much, (laughs) Um, you know, and going home and waiting and, you know, for the spirit of transparency, I was mortified at the thought of sitting on my couch with my dead baby inside of my stomach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that haunted me for five days. Um, I didn't know how to comprehend that or rationalize that. You know, yeah, like it was just, uh, it was just very surreal. Yeah, it's not supposed to be that way. No, not at all. So, did you um, have? Did you have to go to the DNC? Yes. So I did end up having to have a DNC, um, and it was interesting. I thought this was interesting during the time, the waiting period from when I went to the doctor to the DNC nothing had happened there was no spotting there was no nothing Hmm. the only thing that i had noticed that changed was the breast tenderness had gone away Hmm. which was bizarre to me that it could just stop like that Mm -hmm. um so i did go to the dnc and i i get to the hospital and i walk in i go to the first desk open that i see you guys are familiar with the women's hospital and you walk in the door and they have reception there. They have like three receptionists, three mm-hmm. desks. Mm-hmm. Well, I walk into the first one and she's like, hi, how can I help you? Um, I just, I barely got the words out of what I was there for. And she looked at her computer and she said, I'm sorry, I don't have you scheduled today. Oh gosh. Oh wow. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're like, let me spell that again for you. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? And I said, I'm supposed to see. And I, I said the doctor's name. And I, and she's like, oh, that's over at 100 Peach. And I said, ma'am, I'm here for surgery. I can't do it in an OB's office. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she's like, oh, you need to go down there to a few other, like it was like two or three receptionists down <laughs> And I just like these moments, I I was just blown away at the sheer like 
lack of know-how from some people, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I handled it with grace and I walked down to the other end and reset everything that I could barely say the first time. And then I waited and waited and waited for someone to come get me. It was, it was crazy how long I waited. And then we get up to the room and it, you know, the, the triage area, pre-op area, um, you know, that's all these rooms that are only separated by curtains, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting to me as well, that there would be no privacy. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a room that my husband and I could be in and mm-hmm. um, to, to process and deal with what was happening and um. So we waited and then the doctor's surgery ran long, longer than it was supposed to. And there was an emergency. So she had to handle that. I ended up waiting for, I think it was like two and a half hours longer than I was initially supposed to. Mm. And so we're sitting in this area and, um, and then a gift from God (laughs) enters my room with bright pink hair. I know know who that is. I knew you were going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Josie comes in and just, it was, it was seriously a game changer. I still talk to her to this day, two years later. And we talk about those moments in that room that formed the foundation of our friendship. And she, you know, I was so concerned because I was crying, you know, I'm crying. I'm snotty. I'm like all over the place. So I asked her (laughs) and I said, am I going to choke while I'm under from the snot? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) She made it this big show and, like, belly laughs in a room full of tragedy. I will forever be grateful for her. Just breaking that ice and making light of such a horrific fear. It was a fear. It was a very real fear for me. Um, and she, you know, so that, that really helped and she hung out until they came and got me. Um, and so I love her. She was, she was on season one. She was the L and D nurse. If you go back, uh, people that didn't hear that episode, um, it was the, you know, the view from the L and D nurse. So, and I, and I think she spoke, she didn't say your name, but she, kind of spoke about that story a little bit and the moments that she gets to experience, you know, with the moms. So Mm -hmm. I I love that she was sent in that room that day. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. We hope you are enjoying this podcast. If you would like more information on Emma's Footprints, please visit our website at emmasfootprints.com. To all of the families on their grief journey, we see you, we support you, and we remember your babies. You are not alone. Okay, we're back. All right, Stacy. So you um, you had a wonderful experience with Josie, Nurse Josie. <laughs> we love you, Josie. And you're about to leave the hospital. Had your procedure. It's time to go home, right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and waking up from anesthesia from something like that is 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 hard crazy you know you mm-hmm. if any, anybody's experienced anesthesia you're all out of it in the first place but mm-hmm. then 
you wake up and you're like, okay, that was a really bad dream. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go home now. Um, so we do, we left the hospital. It took a long time for me to come out of anesthesia. Um, and so we leave the hospital and I think it was a couple weeks after that I processed this emotion that I felt, but, um, the empty arm syndrome, Mm. I can't relate to being fully pregnant and leaving the baby, leaving the hospital without my baby, Mm -hmm. but that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was robbed. Yeah. Like I had to physically leave my teeny tiny baby at that hospital. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was the end of that hospital experience. Um, and for, I was for months after that, super, super angry, super, super just. And you had reached out, you reached out to Megan did um was that after the dnc no i reached out to megan before yeah i think it was the the day after we found out i think was when i reached out to her um and she became my care team mom so we talked a lot every day i had so many questions um, so many emotions, so many things that I didn't even know how to process, mm-hmm. didn't even know that were possible mm-hmm. <laughs> thoughts that I didn't even think that were possible. Like literally feeling like you're crazy Yeah, is a very real thing. Um, and then they, uh, she sent me an MS care package. So I got that. Um, and then I got connected with Emma's support group. Finally, I think it was in April that I went for the first time. Um, It took me a couple of months to work up the courage to go. Um, And that's when I met you for the first time, Tracy. Yep. Yes. I think Um, I got your digits. (laughs) That was honestly, you might have, but that was, that's like a blur to me. I just remember sitting at this big table and listening to Pam and then meeting you. And I was incredibly awkward. <laughs> That's pretty you, much all. It's so I funny that you, you remember that Stacey. Like <laughs> I'm sure Tracy doesn't remember that at all. I was probably awkward. <laughs> I, I was so uncomfortable. I don't know. Yeah. Cause it she's the just... Tracy Daly. She's the Emma's oh, footprints. She's Emma's a... mom. No, that's, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's scary for those new yeah. mamas to walk mm-hmm. in a place full of strangers. Yeah, still, and take to- the courage to even in you know, like Stacy, you're saying introduce yourself to Tracy. It's like I can do this. What am I? Right. Gonna, what am I gonna say? I don't even know. Hi, I'm feeling the same <laughs> thing on the other side. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, here's this new mama. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so brave. She's walked in here, and yeah. it's it's a lot. It's, it's yeah, a lot, mm-hmm. but. And I think at at that point, I think a lot that had to do with my being so uncomfortable was the lack of validation in my mind Mm. of me being there. Yeah. You know, you know, there were so many stories around that table and I couldn't relate to any of them. I, I think at that point I was the only mom that was there 
that was there solely for a early term loss. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, I kind of felt like it wasn't, I wasn't, um, I didn't belong, you know, like this was, di- I was different, but that feeling did not last very long. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, and to your point um, that, you know, our mission serves early term pregnancy loss up into if the baby is, is one and mm-hmm. there's a lot right. of space in there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is, I mean that my heart breaks when, if a mom feels that way, um, yeah. I don't belong. Yeah. My story either is not important mm-hmm. or it's not like that mom's and yeah. it's, it's like not, no, no, that is not welcome here. Yeah. Um, it is our job yeah. to surround you in love and support you after your loss. And I felt that. 100 and a million percent. (laughs) There's not enough that I could express. Um, And there was one mom in particular that her and I became good friends and our babies actually passed away one day apart. Wow. Um, Hers was a SIDS loss and mine was an eight week old pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm. And we became really good friends. And through that process of really, really sank in the validation that it matters just as much. Mm-hmm. It mattered just as much. And um, that was a blessing to have a friend who went through a completely different situation than me walk me through that validation. And yes, she's just so important. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then you got involved so in the you organization. Come to some, yeah, I was going to say, so, so you come to some support groups and then all of a sudden Stacy shows up at the office sitting at the desk across from me <laughs> wanting to volunteer, which was amazing. I remember when I met you, Stacey. Um, and, um, okay, so that was, that was 2019, right? You said the summer, yeah, the summer or something. Okay. May. Yeah. It was right after the office opened. Okay. Yeah. So you were there for that. I mean, you held a fundraiser for us. You did a big sale. I know. And okay. What's your, what's your little guy's name? You haven't said that yet. Oh, Eli. Eli. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to celebrate mm-hmm. and share Eli. You shared Eli with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you became a huge, I mean, you, the fact that you kind of just dove right into your grief mm-hmm. and you were doing the things I mean, yeah. you were helping other moms too, yeah. but in volunteering, but still grieving. Yeah. Holding a fundraiser. Yeah. Walking in memory of him. Super inspiring. Of him. Yes, totally. Yeah. I, that was, I mean, after I sat in it for a couple of months, I knew, I knew that I couldn't stay there as much as my mind wanted to, my heart couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I did see Pam regularly and she was instrumental in that process, giving me tools to help me walk through it. Say that a little bit louder for the people in the back. Let's turn up the volume. (laughs) (laughs) Go see Pam if you're having a hard time. Julie's going to edit that to like have horns or something behind it. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's Uh... just, just the things that I learned from her. And to understand that how I was feeling was completely normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was huge. It was huge. You, you know? But you surround, you made the choice to do that. You surrounded yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The people, the care team, the, the organization. You did the hard Pam, work. Yes. You made the hard decisions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just happen to you. Yeah. You, no. you take steps. 
A lot of work. Yeah. Okay. So keep going. You got more to your story. <laughs> um yeah so we that process of healing and um being in intense grief and walking through that lasted um about a year Mm. of of really working on myself in the in the midst of that I quit my job um, because I needed to work on myself and so many other things that I learned about myself from grief, you know, about other situations. Mm -hmm. I carry on too much. I carry other people's burdens. That's not my responsibility. I mean, the list could Mm -hmm. go on and the things that I learned about myself in grief that were amazing. Um, so it truly changed me. So that process took about a year to where, you know, my husband and I were in a good, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual place to be able to step forward and continue to grow our family. Um, so we decided we are going to start trying again in January of 2020. And, um, that process took a little bit longer than it did the first time, but still in retrospect, short compared to a lot of people who struggle. So we tried for three months and still weren't getting pregnant. And then doctors, we were doing testing just to make sure that, you know, in case it was a hormone issue of of why it happened the first time, we were doing testing every month just to make sure that I was okay. Um, And all three times, all three months, they came back and told me that I was not ovulating and that my hormone level, I was, I was looking at secondary infertility. So when you look at that and you think, okay, uh, that's a whole nother level of grief. How do I handle this? What do I do? This is not, this is not what I expected. And, um, before I made an appointment with an endocrinologist in Cleveland, we found out that we were pregnant again with our second. (laughs) So the doctors, yeah, the doctors weren't correct. (laughs) <laughs> the last time. Right. Um, that happens sometimes. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, there's room yep. for error. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we, you know, we went through the things. I called the doctor. She's like, what? <laughs> like, it's like, I don't think she believed me. Um, made the appointment. Everything was good. Um, and this was in May of last year. Mm-hmm. So 2020. Middle of pandemic. Um, yeah, in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> right. So I had to do all the no doctors big deal. By, by myself. Yeah. Which that was so fun. Not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so this was a, a whirlwind of a time. Um, I don't remember the day off the top of my head. I think it was May sixth, we found out we were pregnant and or I don't I don't know, honestly. It was like kind of just a it's very blurry period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we found out we were pregnant and from that day we celebrated and we refused to live in fear. We refused to be held captive by the possibility and by the very real reality that we knew all too well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we literally, Every single day, I had a, a chalkboard that I wrote, okay, we're, you know, we're four weeks, three days today. We're five weeks, one day today. Um, and we did that every single day together, and we 
celebrated the life that we were able to have. Um, and so the last week that we were able to have our joy, which we ended up consequently naming her, (laughs) um, yeah, yeah. And we didn't, we didn't figure that out until a couple of weeks after, um, after we lost her, but that week was insane. Um, I actually, I hemorrhaged at home. Um, five weeks, three days. And so, you know, my husband's at work, we, he rushes home, takes me to the emergency room. Um, and they said that everything looked as it should for five weeks, three days. There was no, the, you know, everything looked as it should. At that point I was pregnant. So we're like, okay, that's great. We came home, we went to a follow-up appointment two days later, um, backing up. So that was a Monday night, a Monday night that I hemorrhaged and there was still no heartbeat detectable, um, but we were still pregnant. So we were, we were very thankful for that. On Wednesday, I followed up with my OB and in 48 hours time frame, a teeny tiny little heartbeat showed up. Mm-hmm. So I was able to see that and it gave me so much hope and so much peace mm-hmm. um, to just see that reality of, of that living little person in there. Yeah. Um, and then that night after the follow-up, I hemorrhaged again. Um, we went to the emergency room again in COVID. So this time, yeah, I mean, so the first time we went to the emergency room, my husband can come with me, I think, because they could see that I could barely walk. So they, they allowed it. Um, the second time they would not allow him to come with me, even though I had been there earlier in the week. Um, so I was in there by myself during this time frame, waiting, just waiting to know what the doctors were going to tell me. And they did not do any testing at the emergency room second visit because I had just had an ultrasound and blood work done that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sent me home and they said to call my OB the next day. Well, the hospital, Dr. Jarecki, which is an amazing OB, if anybody needs one, um, she got actually got the information from the hospital and they called her office, called me and told me to come in. Um, so I went in and during this time, mind you, I'm, I'm very faith-based. And during this whole entire time, I felt peace, which is crazy. Yeah. I'm at home. We're on our way to the emergency room for the second time. And I vividly remember looking at my husband and saying, is it crazy that I'm not scared right now? Because the joy of the Lord was in my heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Over this situation, he was, he was just covering it. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, after the second emergency room visit, I go to the second follow-up that week with my OB and first thing immediately they get me in the door and they do an ultrasound and I looked up at the monitor and it my womb was empty Mm -hmm. 
and I'm by myself, right? So yeah. I'm looking at, the, I'm just, I'm kind of in awe. Yeah. You know, you, you really don't know what to say in that moment. No. I don't, I didn't even cry. I was, I think tears were coming down my face, but I don't think I would, you know what I mean? Like that silent cry that you just yeah. can't help. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's because there was nothing there. Um, so I leave the the doctor's office and they were amazing. Um, they were so just so compassionate. This experience was totally different from the first one. It was, it was complete opposite. And I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that. So I get in the car, we come home and there was, again, still over me, there was this eerie, weird sense of peace, Hmm. undescribable, unexplainable, just Mm -hmm. crazy, bizarre peace. Um, But I think denial took over. So for two weeks, and this may or may not have happened to someone else that will be listening, but it's like kind of an outer body experience for two weeks. I couldn't attach to the process. I couldn't, it was like, I was telling someone else's story. Mm. Like this didn't happen to me. So I went about my life and, um, yeah, there were moments of sadness when they like, but it was just, it was sadness for someone else. It wasn't for me. Um, and that period lasted two weeks. And I remember when the Lord let grief set in. I remember that day. And it just hit you. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Um, but in a different way than it did the first time. There was joy in the grieving. Which is such a hard process and concept to explain. Mm-hmm. But I, ha- I have no words other than it was just because of that process, because of what we did from day one, because I took the time to heal myself and get myself spiritually right with the Lord and get myself to a good place and celebrating every day, despite what may happen. I think this, it was just a carryover into the grieving process of being so thankful for the amount of time that I got to have that little one. I didn't, I didn't grieve the fact that they weren't here. I celebrated the time that I did have. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know you, you know, when you lost Eli and, Mm -hmm. you know, met met you shortly afterwards and got to, got to know you then and uh, meet your family and you got to spend time with my family and you, I mean, I remember the day that you texted me and told me you were pregnant, you know, with joy and, and mm-hmm. you let me into that, those, those weeks, you know, I watched you celebrate, you sent me the picture of the little chalkboard, you mm-hmm. know, with the celebration yeah. on it. And, and then when, when that crazy week started happening, you know, and you were texting me and sharing with me and asking me to pray for you, like the ups and downs. Yeah. Um, to be on, to be an outsider, but to be a part of it was, mm-hmm. you know, an honor for me, but I mean, just everything that you're saying you were peaceful. You were, mm-hmm. I, I mean, all the things she, she was those things. People. <laughs> She's not just trying to make up a story in her head and, you know, say that it happened one way. Um, you celebrated her and 
mm-hmm. you're still celebrating her. Um, oh yeah. And so <laughs> it was uh, again, like an honor yeah. to, yeah. to, to be a part of that and to be let into those moments because those are raw and vulnerable and hard mm-hmm. and private. Um, yeah. So I just want to thank you for that Stace. Mm-hmm. You're welcome friend. <laughs> I, I think, you know, and so you, we know that in the grief journey, there's layers upon layers upon layers. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, we sure do I know think, that. <laughs> you know, and so I think guilt was a huge layer that I had to deal with in the second time versus what I did the first time. I didn't carry guilt with Eli. Um, but the guilt that I carried was joy was the lie of thinking that I had to grieve a certain way. Mm because I grieved that way with Eli, Mm -hmm. that it had to be that way again. And it had to be, you know, it had to be just so Mm -hmm. I had to, I had to cry. I had to do all these things. And I mean, I was sad. I did, I did cry, but it was different. And, you know, you hear the stories and I told myself all this, all the time, this was like my mantra for a while. I said, you know, I hear the stories and how different moms grieve differently, but it's okay for the same mom to grieve different children differently. Yeah. And I, that was a new concept to me. You know, we talk about the different moms grieving differently all the time, but just because I'm the same person doesn't mean that I'm going to grieve different people the same. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that. And that was a really hard concept for me to wrap my head around and then give myself immeasurable grace for. Yeah. Right. You knew it was familiar, but it was all new at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really important, I think, for people to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, And, you know, not beating myself up because I didn't feel the same. Right didn't it didn't bring any less validity to what I was going through or the magnitude of loss but it just felt different it was different and that was okay yep and now that was last year mm-hmm. in 2020 yeah yep and we're we're now waiting we're still waiting <laughs> for, the, for the blessing we are waiting for the blessing. Should I share that blessing? <laughs> if yeah. you want to, yeah. So my husband and I, um, I mean, we have decided to extend our family by adoption. And we are complete with the process. We are complete with the meetings and the home studies. And so now we are just waiting. We're waiting for the phone we call. Are- yep. We are waiting for the phone call and, um, you know, there's so much that we've learned from having joy in Eli that we have so much joy and so much love to give. And so we are ready and willing and expectant to give that to children that God will bring us. I love that. I can't wait for that phone call, that text. I know. It's going to be such a good time. Go time, Trace. (laughs) What do you need, Stace? It's going to be, it's going to be crazy, (laughs) but it's going to be so good. And then we're going to look back and, you know, yeah, just marvel at the timing and this this baby or child that is coming, coming for you. Yep. 
Yeah. God has done great things, you know, and I say all the time, you know, these, these losses were not God's design. He didn't, he didn't want this to happen. And they, they were things that happened to us because we live in a broken, ugly world, but he takes all that brokenness and all that ugliness and he turns it around and makes it good. Mm-hmm. He makes it beautiful. He takes beauty from ashes and that's exactly what he's going to do. Yep. You're right. So true. And it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be better than anybody expected. Right. Better than we can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, Stace, thank you so much for calling in and yeah. sharing Eli and joy with us. And yeah. We- we wait with expectancy mm-hmm. with you mm-hmm. and John for this blessing that we will soon find out. We don't know when, but thank you for it's calling. It's going to be soon. Yes. <laughs> we, we pray it is. Um, thanks to thank the listeners. You for, yeah. Thank you for loving my babies. Oh, it's an honor. It's a pleasure. Thanks for mm-hmm. listening, everybody. And we will see you next week. <laughs>